Who is God? What does the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand. Reconnect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Reconnect, the official podcast of Shincheonji, or in English, New Heaven, New Earth. Once again, you're here with Ray, and I am here with you. <laughs> and it's good to be able to have a part two of our Valentine's Day episode. Although, you know, to be completely transparent, as of this recording, Valentine's Day has came and went. <laughs> But that's okay. Mm. I like to think that the spirit of Valentine's Day you know, can, uh, or the, the sentiment rather, can remain past the month of February, right? Okay, so this week, we're going to go ahead and dive into the this second episode, the part two, dealing with the topic of God's Valentine. Mm. So, you know what that means, right? If you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you rather <laughs> to please check that out before listening to today's episode. In our last episode, I spoke a bit about what it was that we value about Valentine's Day cards. You know, these cards that we open up and we see these notes, usually, you know, a handwritten note from somebody, you know, showing their feelings towards us, which is really great. I definitely was a big fan of it when I was younger. And maybe even as an adult, I think that we can find a lot of enjoyment in seeing that expression of, of someone's affection towards us. You know, be it friends or family, romantic or otherwise, right? But are these expressions of another person's affection towards us valuable because of the cute image on the cover of the envelope? Or do we like them because of the beautiful words written inside? Or do we value them because of how they communicate the heartfelt intention of another person towards us? Well, we spoke about how Jesus was the word of God made flesh and sent to us because God loved the world so much, making Jesus himself God's Valentine's Day letter to us. But I know this might be kind of a strange concept, like God sending us a Valentine's Day card and in the form of a, a person? Well, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And when we think about it, God's love towards us, yes, that's exactly what Jesus was. We also took a look in, in our previous episode, part one, into the Old Testament, at the promises that God made to the prophets and how Jesus was, in fact, the fulfillment of those words. And while he was with us, Jesus, God's word made flesh, communicated four different kinds of information that we, as recipients of that awesome love letter, need to be sure to understand. Those four different kinds of information were, one, history, and two, teachings, both of which are easy enough to understand. Jesus also showed those who were following him that the reason they should believe in him is not just because he appeared and claimed to be somebody important. No, anybody can claim to be someone important. I can claim to be someone important. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just Ray. <laughs> But... We looked at the examples of John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46, and John chapter 5 for clarity on how Jesus also spoke about a third topic. Here it is. Three, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. But that's not all. Lastly, Jesus also spoke about things that were still going to happen. 
We call this kind of thing prophecy. This is such a loaded term. Yeah, I know, and it conjures up all <laughs> sorts of images for different people, but let's keep it simple. Let's describe the prophecies of the Bible in God's own words. I think that might be best, right? This fourth type of information, prophecy, is simply a description of God's plans for the future, which he shares with believers so that when they are fulfilled, those who love God and trust him can see and believe. This is a definition that we can arrive at by understanding verses like Amos chapter 3, verse 7, where God clearly tells the prophet Amos that, Surely, the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Amen. Okay, right. So Amos chapter 3, 7 makes it clear that God communicates what he is planning to do in the future to his servants, the prophets. But how does Amos 3, 7 relate to the second part of our definition? How does God telling his plans to his servants, the prophets, relate to us seeing and believing when those promises are fulfilled? when they become flesh. Well, we can get insight into this by looking at what Jesus himself said in John 14, 29. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. We ended our last episode on a cliffhanger and you know how much I love cliffhangers. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't think I love being on the recipient end of, of cliffhangers, you know, having to wait until that second part comes. But I love giving them out in our episodes. <laughs> okay, but yes, our cliffhanger, John chapter 9, which contains both a prophecy in the beginning of the chapter and a wonderful example of how prophecies are fulfilled at the end. A detailed example in Jesus' own words. So, since we all are ready, and I know that you've been waiting, why don't we pick it up right there? So take a look at John chapter 9, verses 35 to 37. I'll read them for you. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Mm. You see, in this passage, Jesus uses the expression, the son of man. Now, from our perspective in history, this title refers to Jesus, right? But to the blind guy in John chapter 9, he would only know this title as it refers to some prophetic characters in the Old Testament. Okay, so when you get a chance, <laughs> I'm giving you guys a lot of homework, I know. Read Ezekiel chapters 1, 2, and 3. In those chapters, God shows the prophet Ezekiel a vision. In this vision, there is a sealed scroll that comes down out of heaven. Nobody can open the scroll. But then the scroll is open and Ezekiel is commanded to eat it. And to go testify to the rebellious house of Israel. That's right, eat it. Throughout this vision, God addresses Ezekiel as the son of man. Mm. Then in John chapter 9, Jesus appears before the blind man and says that he is the son of man. What is this an example of? Well, it's an example of the word of prophecy in the Old Testament. The vision that God showed to Ezekiel becoming flesh. That sealed scroll is, in fact, the same sealed scroll that Isaiah talks about in Isaiah chapter 29, verses 11 to 12. 
This prophecy is quoted again in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4. Jesus was the one who had eaten that open scroll. Now, if the Pharisees, or, or anyone for that matter, wanted to know what was written in that sealed scroll of Ezekiel chapter 1, they had to find the Son of Man. Only he could explain what was in it. And the Son of Man was Jesus. This is a pretty good example of God's love letter to us. Jesus was God's revealed word made flesh so that we could see it and touch it and verify that the one who had made the promises, God, was living and truthful. So what should we do with passages like the beginning of John chapter 9? Are just going to be stuck in darkness now with thousands of different Christian denominations all claiming to be the one inspired by the Holy Spirit and all claiming to have some special understanding of the truth? Are we stranded here? Are we forced to just have to pick our own way through the various interpretations and, and hope that we end up in the right place? No. <laughs> Not at all. What we're waiting for is revelation. Now, I'm not talking about the uh, the book of Revelation in the Bible. No. Although it is certainly involved in this. But in this case, I'm talking about the actual revelation. That is revealing or opening, making plain of what God's word is for us. Now, this process is one of the main focal points of the book of Revelation itself. Yes. So I think it's good for us to have a look. The love letter that God sent through Jesus is not the end of the story. In Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 to 3, the book of Revelation is described as the revelation of Jesus Christ. This passage also describes a very sad process. The book of Revelation describes to us a vision seen by the Apostle John while he was exiled in the island of Pathmos. So, John was shown this vision after Jesus had ascended to heaven, that is, after Jesus had left the world. And we can see from the letters sent to the various congregations around the world at that time, and these letters are the epistles in the New Testament, as soon as Jesus left, the corruption of the world began creeping into the congregations who were following him. The disciples were on guard constantly. So, <laughs> trying to persevere themselves and to spread word despite so much persecution against them. It's in the middle of this kind of situation that Jesus appears to John and shows him the vision of what we now know as the book of Revelation. Okay, so let me break this down. <laughs> I'll try to do it as, as simply as I can, but in this vision, John gets taken up to the spiritual throne of God in Revelation chapters 4 and 5. He sees a sealed scroll that nobody can open in the right hand of God. The fact that nobody can open the scroll or see what is in it is devastating for John. He literally cries. But for you and I, having the benefit of knowing what happened in the past, with just such a sealed scroll, we can have hope. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So, we know that a situation almost exactly like this one already happened in history, right? You remember Ezekiel chapters 1 to 2 and 3 and John 9? Is it ringing a bell? <laughs> well, let's see what happens next in John's vision of Revelation. So, 
He sees a vision of Jesus who appears like a lamb that was slain and has a strange number of horns and eyes. Jesus, he discovers, is able to take the sealed scroll and open it because he has triumphed. Over the course of the next few chapters, John describes the vision of what he saw happening as the lamb took and, and opened the seal of the scroll. And then in Revelation 10, an angel brings the open scroll to John and instructs him to eat it. Does this sound familiar? And to testify to many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. This is the same process as is described in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And it is very similar to what happened at the time of the first coming. When Ezekiel, in his vision, ate a scroll. And then he was able to testify to people as well. Now let's be clear though. When Ezekiel's vision was fulfilled, who was it that we could see and touch? Was it Ezekiel? No. Even though God referred to Ezekiel as the son of man in the vision, the real life fulfillment of that vision was Jesus. In his vision, Ezekiel was kind of a placeholder for the person who would appear when God fulfilled his promise. Then for us, shouldn't we be waiting for something similar to come when the book of Revelation is opened or revealed? Now, this all depends on how much you trust the author of this love letter. God, our creator, is always moving towards his goal. He moves forward. Through his promises and prophecies, he tells us in advance about things that he'll do in the future. Then when he does them, we should carefully check the claims of whichever teacher or character appears. Whoever is claiming that God is working should also be able to clearly show how they are the fulfillment of all the prophecies and how those prophecies line up with everything else in scripture. Now, I know this is a lot. We can't go super in depth on this. But if you're interested, please contact us. PSA again. <laughs> if we really have faith in God, then we would take him seriously when he says, meet me by the lockers at lunch. Because <laughs> this is our love letter to us, right? We understand the process now. But what if in his love letter to us, the creator says something like, mm, meet me where those who have been harvested and sealed are gathered at the time when the seven trumpet is sounding. Would you know where to go? If Jesus was a word of God made flesh and sent to us because God loves us, like it says in John chapter 3, 16, then this sealed scroll opened and delivered to God's servants through a person filling the role of John in Revelation 10 is another love letter to us too. So what would be the most important part of this love letter to us? Would it be the way the fulfillment of this promise appears or, or where this character is from? Will it be, will we be like the people who dismissed Jesus at the time of the first coming just because he was from Nazareth? For some people, maybe the most important thing will be in the contents. We can see a warning in history, just like 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. At the first coming, many people who began following Jesus turned away from him because they didn't like what he had to say. His words conflicted with their traditions and because they didn't understand what he was saying fully, they chose rather to cling to their misconceptions and traditions. 
They liked the appearance of the card enough to go along with it for a while. But when they actually got to the contents, you know, opening it, they rejected it. In doing so, they were rejecting the one who sent the card too. You can read about this in John chapter 6, verses 53 to 66. But let's look at verses 63 to 66 while we're here. <laughs> Rather, why I'm in front of this mic. I'll read it for you. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless a father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. How much do you and I believe what Jesus said? Do we really believe that we were born into a Christian environment and families and, and that is what has enabled us to come and know Jesus? That was it. Have we ever prayed to God, the Father, asking him to allow us to come to Jesus, to receive the word in both spirit and life? If we haven't, perhaps we are taking some very important parts of our faith for granted. This is something I think about a lot for myself. You see, the only correct attitude to have towards any real love letter is to appreciate it fully as an expression of the feelings and intentions of the sender. This is how it should be. I've been talking about Jesus as a Valentine's Day letter or card from God. Hmm. Today, I've ventured off into prophecy that Jesus made in the New Testament and a vision that he showed to John about another love letter that God has to send believers at some point in the future. But the real heart of the matter is this. Do we know enough of God's word for ourselves to be able to discern any better than the characters in John chapter 9? Think about it. <laughs> a question worth asking yourself is, who am I in John chapter 9? I mean, am I the son of man? <laughs> no. Spoiler alert, no. Am I the blind man? I long to see, to understand, but I can't. Do I know where to go to be spiritually healed and gain the ability to perceive the fulfillment of God's promises? Am I the parents of the blind man? I mean, have I heard about the wonders of God's promises being fulfilled? Because of pressure from my traditions and my community around me, I'm not ready to really check it out for myself. Am I playing the part of one of the Pharisees? That is, am I being very sincere in my faith? Mm, devout, loyal, <laughs> but perhaps persecuting those with a different view without even taking the time to sincerely listen and find out whether or not they're maybe right. Returning to that story I shared with you in the beginning of today's episode, I often think about that abandoned and forgotten Valentine's Day letter I found in the back of my drawer. It connects really well because as believers, we need to be sure that we're not doing that kind of thing to God's love letter to us. Let's not be the sort of believers who, perhaps in sincere faith, but also a lack of understanding, end up abandoning the real love letter that God has sent us in favor of something else or our own interpretation of what he was saying 
Let's not be those people who like the appearance of God's word enough to carry it around with us for a while, but who like the disciples in John chapter 6, verse 63 to 66, end up walking away. They walk away from it when it, it feels challenging or at odds with our comfortable traditions. We need to be constantly checking ourselves against the Bible. And let's ask ourselves, who am I here? Which of the characters in this portion most accurately represents me? Who am I according to the Bible? Most importantly, let's remember that the story is not over yet. When the promises that Jesus made about the future of God's plan to reconnect with us are fulfilled, will we be able to recognize them? Well, I won't lie, that was a lot. <laughs> but we were talking about some of the deepest topics we possibly could. Love and faith. But let's try to remember. The best Valentine's letters are the kind that invite us to a meeting point where we can come face to face with the author. Meet me by the lockers at lunch. All sincere love letters are written with the future in mind. They express the intention of the author to be united with the person receiving the letter in a love relationship. That is, in a relationship of trust and reciprocation. God's love letter to us is the same. And through Jesus, he has given us a meeting place. In John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6, Jesus promised that although he was leaving us for a time, he would return and take us to be with him and God. How this will happen is explained in detail in the book of Revelation, especially in chapters 7 and 14. This is God's invitation to us. Meet me where those who are harvested and sealed are gathered. At Mount Zion, where the 12 tribes who sing the new song follow the Lamb. Meet me there when the seventh trumpet is sounding. Come. Be with me because I love you and have done all this for you and I to be together. Well, if you would like to know more or if you have any questions about today's topic, please don't hesitate to contact us. Remember, God's invitation is to you. It is to me and it is open to everyone. But how are we responding? If we don't know or understand his word, how can we respond appropriately? So like I mentioned earlier on in today's episode, if you have that desire to have a full, complete understanding of God's word, please contact us. We have resources so that you can have that opportunity to study and receive a real tangible direction of where to go because you have an understanding of God's word. That's what God's heart is. Reconnection. It's not just the name of this podcast. <laughs> well, I hope you have all enjoyed today's episode. And if you have, feel free to share, like, subscribe, you know, in the spirit of Valentine's Day. Maybe sending this episode would be a great way to show someone that you care about them and really want them to know about our creator who loves us so much as well. So once again, this has been Ray and you've been listening to Reconnect. I'll see you all next time. Bye bye.